And welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley, and I am here with this really weird role reversal uh, experience today with the unprepared Dave Rudat. It's like we stepped into an alternate universe. It's like the Twilight Zone. It, it's like the universe of madness, maybe. That's what this is. The multiverse. Multiverse. The multiverse, multiverse of madness. Of madness, which is it known is. as Casting Nets. Yes. Well, that's just normal madness, but now we're in a multiverse <laughs> of it. Um, as we have this opportunity, like I said, this is a, 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 a weird state of affairs. It is something that has never happened on the whole Casting Nets history. It's actually happened before, where I would come I'm in. I'm going to say yeah. it's not going to has ever happened. <laughs> it's predictive <laughs> that this is going to be a unique show, dear listener, that you have never seen before and will never see again, because we are in the multiverse of madness. Yes, um, and so if you don't know what that means, it means that um, I have actually come prepared with notes and things written on paper, and um, my cohort in crime, Pastor Dave, has come with the catechism. Yeah, I had, I have, but notes. To, uh, to be fair, he has sticky home. notes in there. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I think those are for teaching if, the catechism. It's not. Almost <laughs> as if Luther designed this to be a book, like a like a handy resource that you could carry with you. I think you're you thinking went. way too much into it. <laughs> I, I don't think that so, was ever his intent. It was small, just for ch- just, small catechism. It was just for children. <laughs> Sarcasm is strong with this one. Yeah, I have notes and they're sitting at home, so I'm just going off the top of my head. And I had coffee, which is also sitting at home, so I'm enjoying uh, a coffee out of a styrofoam cup, which is just not the way to drink coffee, in my opinion. But anyway, uh, dear listener, um, this podcast is Two Brothers in Faith, and in confession, uh, sharing their thoughts with one another. And uh, you are welcome in to this conversation between two pastors, and as it is a conversation between two pastors, and it is unfiltered. We are, may not be expressing the views of our, of our church bodies or ourselves even. We're trying to have a conversation, and sometimes we change our mind in the conversation because that's what conversations are supposed to be about. Um, actually a give and take, not just spouting forth what you already know and not learning anything. So, dear listener, as you are listening and you uh, don't want to learn anything and you are saying this is this is objective to my worldview and, and, uh, and you're going into something what we would call cognitive dissonance where you have two conflicting thoughts going on in your head, the, the truth, which is God's word, and whatever you've got in your head. We Realize you. we're right. We're right. <laughs> Ignore what you're thinking. <laughs> Go to God's word first <laughs> to make sure we're right, and then talk to us, uh, whether in person. And uh, validate that we're right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is loaded for bear today. Uh, and talk to us in person at St. John and Maribel or Emmanuel and Shirley. You can email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. You can also, there's Facebook as well, and you can message us that way. Uh, if you, on the other hand, if you like this conversation that you're having, that you're hearing and being a part of between two pastors and you're saying, you know what, more people should, should be listening to this. Uh, one way you can do that is by giving us a positive review. 
And when we mean positive, we don't mean five stars. Because if you give us five stars, my head will just explode. It's already too big as it is. Uh, if you've seen me in person, it is huge. But it was hard, very hard for him to get in through the door today. Yeah, it was very hard. <laughs> My heart is even bigger. So uh, anyway, uh, you're, leave us a four-star review or a positive review on your podcasting pro, uh, profile, and that would be just awesome. And yeah, we don't want five stars because then there's no room for improvement. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and I, I like to strive for excellence. So you know, <laughs> Another dig at me for not having <laughs> notes prepared. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 move on to our our show. Already this show is unique in that we didn't actually introduce the topic in the introduction. I forgive you. <laughs> that was And now job. we have just introduced the topic. <laughs> you know, forgiveness is in Star Wars. You know why Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, had difficulty forgiving Darth Maul? No. He had trouble letting Qui-Gon be bygones. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and we have a small, 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 small yes, just the small one. It, it wasn't worth the big one. <laughs> no, today's topic is all about forgiveness. Um, and and from the show notes, uh, um, you're going to get an idea if you've read the show notes that um, we will forgive you just this once if you if you don't listen to this one. Um, but. Uh, Forgiveness is is such an important thing, and it is an integral part of religion, um, specifically the Christian religion. And so, I think it's a topic that we need to really talk about, and we need to to maybe debunk. Um, and so, this is a, a shout out to some of our listeners who said, "Hey, the debunking uh, um, podcasts were really kind of neat. Do more of those." So here is here's a debunking. Uh, podcast that's in the hopper for you, um, and we are going to debunk seven myths about forgiveness. So um, we are going to, to kind of step back and take a look and say, um, here are some things that society, science, people who should be pretty intelligent in, in how they deal with, with nature and, and human nature and things, um, and what they say about forgiveness. And we're going to put it up against God's word. We're going to put it up against what we know about, uh, about our Lord and uh, hopefully have a good conversation to say, no, they're wrong and God's right. Which is or usually they the have case. something to say, but not all there is to say. Sure. Yeah, I guess that's the better way of saying it. <laughs> or God's right and they're wrong. <laughs> I know another book that has something to say about forgiveness. Lots of pages. Lots of pages? Lots of pages. Written about over thousands of oh, years? Yes, by, by various authors and, and highlighting one author who, who writes through it all. And we call it the Bible. And it's very good. It's 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 almost as good as the small catechism for children. <laughs> <laughs> almost as good. I'm kidding. It's better. <laughs> so uh, let's jump on into to our topic. We we talk about forgiveness, and maybe <clears throat> maybe what we need to do before we get into to some of the the topics that we wanted to debunk is maybe get a handle on the definition of forgiveness and um, I did send out some some 
articles for you to read um, to sort of for get me the to read. For, for yes for for Dave to read in and, my preparations that I left at home yes and and they were just to help get the juices flowing so we could have this conversation and and one of the articles um, and this was an article entitled uh, the ten reasons you should forgive those who've hurt you um, and it is a uh, um, now, you don't need to know exactly where the article all had, um, but it has a definition that I think is is one of the very first ones that we should probably, this isn't one of the list of debunking things. It's just, I think a definition that people think forgiveness is, but really it, it's not what forgiveness is. But here was her definition of forgiveness. She said, forgiveness is defined uh, by some as giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Forgiveness says I do not have to hear uh, you say I'm sorry in order for me to move forward with my life. Forgiveness is designed to set the victim free. It has nothing to do with the offender. And, and I think um, just as a way to start out our idea in talking about forgiveness and, and, and things is to step back and say that is, that is an incomplete We'll start there. It's an incomplete definition of forgiveness. Yeah, there's there's a lot of holes in that. Uh, the number one is that it's forgiveness is all about the victim, where in the Bible, forgiveness is about both the victim and the person who has offended you. And God forgiving us is all about us. Uh, yeah, it's all about the offender when it comes from God. Yeah, when it comes from God. But for us, we're we're sinful people as well, and so we're not always handling things correctly or the way that. Um, that God handles us. And so forgiveness in a large part is about um, us forgiving and letting go of our right to give even. So they, they get the part about giving up my right for harboring, was it anger or uh, revenge? Yeah, giving up my right uh, for hurting, hurting someone, uh, hurting the person that hurt me. Yeah, they get that part right. Um, but it is it, it, the the part where they fall off the wagon or they they fall off the tracks is is trying it's all about you, the individual, the victim uh, letting go. Well, and and I think that that like I said this definition leads into to the seven myths that we really are are going to be focusing on today um, because I think the general trend is forgiveness is all about me. And 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 how it will affect me as opposed to how it affects the offender. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, to say it so beautifully, as you said it, <clears throat> you know, um, when it comes from our Lord, who is the ultimate example of forgiveness, right? Especially through Jesus Christ, who, who took on all of the sins of the world, who lived in our place, died for us innocently and, and rose again. What, what offense, I mean, he was the victim, right? His forgiveness his forgiveness wasn't for his benefit. Um, he's not, he, he, he wasn't like, I want to hurt them, um, so I'm going to forgive them instead. I mean, that, that wasn't a thing. Um, he, he gave everything to forgive us. It, the forgiveness was for the offender. Um, so, I, so I think flowing from our Lord, we see the pinnacle of what forgiveness is, which is um, a removal of guilt and shame, a release from, from hurt not only... Um, of what sin has done, but also from the hurt that it continues to do. Um, but it's also a highlighting of sin. It, it's it, the forgiveness in and of itself is the highlighting of sin. It says, <clears throat> if I'm going to pronounce forgiveness, sin's there because if sin wasn't there, 
I wouldn't need to pronounce forgiveness. Yeah, there wasn't something bad that happened. And just that idea of God reconciling, bringing us back into his fold, like he did to Adam and Eve. You know, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman as he's, as Adam and Eve are basically in the devil's camp on his side, on his side of the, the, the valley. And God says, I'm going to, I'm going to bring them back uh, to my side. And that and the way the bridge that's going to do that is Christ. Yeah. Absolutely. And so if we start and, and, and as we, we are looking to debunk these things, as we, we go forward, you know, we're, I'm, I know personally, um, I'm going to be going back to, to saying, okay, what is the pinnacle? And, and the pinnacle is our Lord, right? The pinnacle is this is what God wants of us. This is how God shows his love towards us as he forgives us in Christ. Um, now, how does that translate and trickle down into our interactions? So let's jump on in, unless you have uh, something else in pre-show, you want to you wanna whip out the catechism and, uh, and, and lay some Luther on us? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, not yet. It's here. It's ready. It's standing at the ready. But so far, we've, uh, we've, we've used scripture and the, the concepts in scripture about forgiveness and God uh, forgiving us. So the, the catechism says, oh, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. So it just sits there and says, well, go ahead and read the, read the Bible. That's okay. Because okay. It, it, we're good. Well, we're good. The, the catechism said we could read the Bible. The, the catechism <laughs> is an echo chamber. It's not uh, speeding, doing forth new information. All right. Well, then <clears throat> let's let's deal with the first of the. So we have seven um, sort of seven myths about forgiveness that we're going to debunk. And the very first one, I think, is is probably um, one that is finds its root in in another thing we debunked um, earlier in the show, which is the idea that people are naturally good. And flowing from that that concept that people are naturally good people and they're going to want to do good things uh, comes this myth that humans are predisposed to forgive. Go. Uh, <laughs> that's another thing Dave you did not bring your notes so let's see how good how good you are without your notes uh, just the idea of I, I think in my my opinion reading that article and uh, and the I, comment of humans are predisposed it's like yeah you're welcome um, because that's the influence of Christianity on the world is that uh, we are in the business of forgiving sins. Uh, there's these things called the keys, which Jesus gave the church, which uh, it opens and closes heaven, which forgives sins or not forgives sins. Uh, this is the thing that the church, uh, as individuals and as an institution, has been uh, laying on the world and influencing the world. To this is, this is the thing that we get to do because Jesus lived and died for us that we can forgive sins and it actually there actually is forgiveness there actually is reconciliation and as god's people um, deal with one another and as they offend one another and offend one another often they are also working to replicate what god has done for them in that reconciliation by confronting them of their sins and forgiving them actually forgiving them of their sins so so would you say that there is uh so so you defend this this idea that that humans are predisposed to forgive only from the standpoint of this is the the influence of the church on society not from the standpoint where i believe you were saying was human beings are are designed or we evolved to be this kind of way i would ob object to that yeah i can see where you're coming from what by saying you know that that christianity has had an effect on the world um i would actually go back a little bit further and and say that that this comes out of of platonic thought um where where um the virtues um you come and this is 
going way back to to philosophy. Um, and, and you go to Aristotle, you go to to, to Plato, um, and and both of them uh, have this have this strong tendency to to look towards the virtues of people, and that and that. Um, the best way to pursue virtue is is to get rid of uh, the vice and to get rid of the excess. <clears throat> and so um, one of the things that they would say is a vice, right? Um, so in, in regard to this, because they believe in moral virtue is 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 the ultimate good. Um, and so the the vice would be hatred. That would be the vice. Um, hatred is not does not produce flourishing. Hatred does not produce um, um, benefit and and the the excess would be tolerance um where we allow any we we don't hate them but we just allow everything to go without recognizing that anything ever went wrong and so somewhere in between hatred and tolerance right is this realm of forgiveness uh where where morally you would say um if we acknowledge something was something happened and yet we then say but we're going to move forward from the something that happened we're now on this moral path now i don't think man personally um if if the the early philosophers would have talked about this as a moral moral dilemma and moral something for us to strive to i would i would say mankind is not predisposed for it um because we're not I, I, I don't think we are I don't think we are predisposed to want to acknowledge our own sinfulness and wrongs to begin with, but we also are vindictive creatures um, by nature. <laughs> Exhibit A: uh, cancel culture. Uh, yes, let's. I mean, we've talked about it on the show before, but but that is a perfect example that 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 sixty two percent. Now, this is from another one of the articles. There's a study. But I'm not going to cite the article. I really don't care. You can find it on on Google. Um, 62% of people in the United States, Americans say that there isn't enough forgiveness. They haven't heard enough forgiveness. I think that number is actually a little low. I think that it's even more, but cancel culture, right? What is cancel culture all about? Cancel culture, they, they call out because someone did something, whatever it is, right or wrong. They did something and that was claimed as being wrong and they were run up the flagpole for it. Right. And then, and then they're canceled. And then the person comes back and they apologize. They show contrition. They, they do something to try to rectify. And there is no proclamation of, okay, we're going to move beyond this. You know, let's, let's start anew. They're not demonstrating a predisposition toward forgiveness or they're, they're demonstrating a predisposition towards vindictiveness. And 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 I, I think this is something you and I have talked, you have brought up actually, uh, talking about everyone's need to be declared righteous. I, and I, th- I think I may have talked about it a little bit about with the uh, grooming and all that uh, with uh, that's going on in, in public places in the United States. But just the idea of everyone wants some, everyone else to declare them to be right and good. Uh, and if you if you are seeking that, then you aren't going to be looking for anyone to declare that you are forgiven because you don't want to acknowledge that there is a, a fault in you. Right. <clears throat> well, which comes back to to that definition of forgiveness, right? Where where we as Christians would say forgiveness acknowledges a sin um, and forgiveness acknowledges that there's a sin that needs to be removed uh, and, and needs to be overcome. And and a sin not only in ourself, but a sin also in the other person, in the offender. 
Um, and we don't like that. And so when, when, you know, maybe you are in that situation where, where you were one of the very few people who were predisposed to forgive, um, if such a myth is, is a thing and you offered forgiveness to somebody and they said, I never asked for it. Or they'll say, well, why do you think you need, I need that? Or they, they, whatever other derogatory comment that they could make that's a little off-putting. And, and I think the reason that exists is because they don't perceive what they did as wrong. And, and if they don't perceive what they did as wrong, they don't perceive <clears throat> there, there is a need for forgiveness. I, I like your thought because if, if, if human beings are truly predisposed to uh, forgiving others, then they should also be predisposed to be being proven wrong. And that is not in our culture. Our culture is not filled with people who are looking to be corrected, where our culture is filled with people who are looking to be heard. Uh, we, they want people to understand them. They want people to, to follow them, but they're not uh, in, in the truly in the interest of making themselves better by confessing sins and forgiving them. Right. And being and, forgiven. Yeah. And, and I think that is so. So but the first myth to debunk um, is the idea. And, and I, I guess I don't know if we really debunked it as much as we said that there's a caveat. Um, if we are predisposed to forgiveness in a society, it is because of the influence of Christianity upon society. Um, but, but as we've seen and given examples, we're more predisposed not to forgive because we're more predisposed to not see sin, uh, especially in ourselves. Um, and so <clears throat> we're always the victim and never the offender. Um, so let's, let's move on a little bit because <clears throat> our second, um, myth to debunk is, uh, and this is, this is going to be a contentious topic. And the reason it is contentious, because I'm going to mention this true thing called a difference between men and women. And there are such things as male and female, men and women, especially apparently, according to this article, when it comes to forgiveness, there's a difference between men and women. And so the, uh, the, the article says that women are better and at forgiving. I, I thought they were the same, Will. I thought men and women are the same. I thought that's just the, the patriarchal that's what I was told. assigning rules to us. And, I, I don't know and, what to tell you. I'm, I'm just spouting off what I was told. I thought there was... <laughs> How could you how could you say that that there's these two different genders? They're the same gender. They're I mean they're the same person. They're just choosing Is this a time to identify. for a joke where we hit the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need like a sarcasm we, sound. We, yeah, we do. Like a great sigh. <laughs> no, we are uh if you know anything about us, we are we we are being very disrespectful to those people who who believe truly in their heart of hearts that uh, uh although wrong um, that there is the there is no divide between men and women. Um, men and women are different, and 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 they think differently. Um, one of the things that I do in my in in my uh, <clears throat> marriage class, pre marriage class, is I I highlight, and I grabbed this from uh, um, "Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage." Um, give a shout out to Mark Unger. Um, but he uh, uh, he had mentions in there that one of the big, biggest differences between men and women is the way our brains are set up, <clears throat> and and men's brains typically have boxes, right? And and we are we open up one box, we do what's in that box. Um, that makes us very good at probably our jobs because we open up the job box, we sit in the job box, we do just the job box, and then when we're done, we close the box and we open up another box. Whereas women have a tendency to have like a ball of twine 
in their head and everything's connected to everything, right? Um, all things, you know, um, a, a smell will connect to an emotion. That emotion will connect to an event and that event could have been six years ago, but now it's as if they're living it again because they, they, they had that smell or they, they, they made those connections. And so it is true that women do make more emotional connection with people. Um, they, they live more emotionally than, um, Men do. And I'm not saying women are emotional. I, I'm, I'm not saying that. Um, what I'm saying is that they are more willing to be emotionally invested in things than men typically get. So according to this article, that emotional investment, uh, which you could call empathy, <clears throat> which seems to be something that many women do have, um, will be make them predisposed to forgive easier than those of their counterparts in the male society who are not emotionally invested. <clears throat> I think that's kind of a, I, I, I think that's kind of a false statement on multiple levels, on, on, on multiple levels. Um, and so hear me out in, in this. If, if you are more emotionally invested in a situation and someone hurts you in that situation, I don't think that emotional investment would lead to a, 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 a predisposed nature of being more willing to forgive. I, I, and maybe I'm lost in how that would work. To me, it would be if someone is less emotionally invested, gets hurt, are more easily able to step back and say, okay, here's what happened. Here was my part in it. Here was their part in it. And here's how we can get beyond this. And, and we're going to forgive. And, and move beyond it because I'm I'm somewhat disconnected from it. Yeah, the only value they just said was uh, is uh, I was just reading the article as you were talking because that's what I do is multi multitask not very well. But um, <laughs> if you would have come prepared, it if I would have come, yeah, that's right. <laughs> if I actually had my notes <laughs> again, uh, I will pronounce forgiveness <laughs> for my benefit. <laughs> <laughs> Sarcasm. Um, anyway, just the idea of that it. it it thinks past a sale. It says the reason why people are able to forgive is that they are empathic, that they they can see the other person's side of the of the story. And I like the point that you're bringing up is a lot of times when we forgive someone, it is not in the realm of our emotions. It's not in our a realm of perception, but in our in our act of the will that we are saying, I I feel one way, but I'm going to act. Another way, I feel like I want to get back at this person, but I'm going to act differently. I'm going to say the words, I forgive you, or I'm going to uh, talk to that individual about their sins so that we can be reconciled, even though I don't feel like I want to be reconciled to that to that individual. Um, there's so many times as a parent, and, and I have five children, and as when they were younger, that was a lot of the... That was a lot of what we were keying in on was not their emotions at the time, but the words that they were saying. And so we would prompt them with the words, which would lead them with in the act of the will. It was it just baffled me. It shouldn't have baffled me. It's amazing um, that a child will say, "I'm sorry," right, and they're and and that will actually lead them to be sorry to, to say those words, and then the other child to say, "I forgive you," to actually say those words actually helps that you can emotionally see the difference when after that child says those words i forgive you because 
this is an act of the will, not an act of the emotion. Well, and I would even say that, and and here's one of those times where where we're hearkening back to um, another podcast that we did on words. Words create. Um, and so <clears throat> we reflect our, our creator in the sense that when we speak words, we create into the world something, although temporary and, and, and not as lasting as our Savior, as our, as our God did um, in creating everything, but we do create into the world. And so when we say, I forgive you, we are creating forgiveness. When we say, I am sorry, we create that that feeling of uh, uh, contrition remorse. and remorse. Yeah. Um, but the, the same thing, you could have other words um, saying thank you. Why do we teach our kids to say thank you? Because it creates the heart of thankfulness. So words, words are truly a powerful thing. And, and I know sometimes we'll say, well, they didn't mean it. But you don't know that because those words, those words not only bring out accountability, because you said them, I can hold you accountable to them. But they also bring out, you know, this is this is something that is now created. It is in the world. It has been expressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you can't judge somebody and say, well, they didn't mean it. And 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 then they, then you can say, well, how do you know they didn't mean it? Well, they haven't acted that way. Well, you know, how many times have you not acted very sorry either? Right. You, and we're going to get to that uh, yeah. myth in in a second, but. But it's one of those things where just because you are more emotionally involved in a situation or you are more able to understand why they may have reacted in a certain way or did a certain thing doesn't make you more predisposed to forgive that person. In fact, it might make you even uh, um, more hesitant to forgive because you're like, I know better, even though I can understand why they did it, I know better and there's no excuse. Um, my wife is a, is very empathic person she can she can really place herself in i understand why they did this but it makes her more rigid it, it honestly makes her more rigid because because there's the the two sides of her brain the logical side of her brain says this is what needs to happen and then the emotional side of her brain says but this is what i'm feeling and 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 they can they they fight against each other more often than not and then my wife looks at me and she goes i don't understand how you can do it and i said do what and she says you forgive and you move on and I said, okay. And she's like, you're like an emotional hole. And I said, I'm not an emotional hole. I just have three emotions. <laughs> angry, neutral, and happy. <laughs> and he doesn't get angry, ladies and gentlemen. I, I never get angry. <laughs> so I'm mostly in neutral. He, he's like the Hulk. He's like the Hulk, if you know the Marvel reference. Yeah, I'm angry all the time. <laughs> but, okay, so 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 we've debunked. It, humans are not necessarily predisposed That's to forgiveness. One. That was one. Uh, women are not necessarily better at forgiveness because they're more emotionally and empathetic uh, towards, towards the one who is offending. That moves us on to the third one. So the third one is uh, we forgive for ourselves. So please... I, I, uh, we say it this way, not so that you get the impression that we do not forgive ourselves or that we forgive ourselves because we're supposed to forgive ourselves. This is the idea of we offer forgiveness to someone else for the benefit of ourselves. And that's what we're going to try to debunk, that, that forgiveness is spoken to someone else for the benefit of us. Okay, so now there's a bunch of science behind this. There's there is science that that says that okay, someone who does offer forgiveness to someone else who hurt them, um, does have physical results that are benefits to the person that that offered the forgiveness. 
So there's lowered blood pressure. There's lowered stress, anxiety. Um, there is a, a, a different sense of uh, or, or release of the sense of entrapment um, to, to emotionally damaging feelings, things of that nature. Um, I would call those benefits um, that flow from an attitude not the reason to forgive. To forgive. I would actually, yeah. And my, my first thought was the, ch- the Christian church would be saying, you're welcome. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We brought this into the world. <laughs> we brought this into the world because Christ gave it to us uh, to forgive other people yeah. their sins. And, and What can uh, I say? But you're, <laughs> you're welcome. welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank to, you, The Rock, <laughs> for singing that song in Moana. <laughs> How many Disney references are you going to try to get into our podcast to get us canceled? That's your... That's I don't know. Goal. I don't know. I got to avoid Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> and you were the one that brought up Star Wars <laughs> yeah, and right. Marvel. Marvel. That's right. Those so I have Disney. just given. I've just given. You're just two. following my lead. Okay. I'm just I, following your lead. Okay. I, I like your approach. It's not. We don't forget because uh, we're looking to lower our blood pressure. Uh, we forget because we want to reconcile with that individual, and we want that individual to be reconciled to God. And that's the whole reason why we are given those uh, those keys uh, to forgive sins, as as John as Jesus says in John twenty. Um, the whole idea is that we would forgive anyone their sins; they are forgiven. If they do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. That's the point. We don't do it for the benefit, but it does have. Benefit. So, so you know, let's talk about the keys because you have the catechism open, and and there's a whole section in the catechism, and it's really interesting. Uh, just to sort of step back and, and take a look, you know, the catechism has six major parts, right? And and one of the parts is 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 this uh, word and sacrament, and so we we deal with the sacraments, and smack dab in the middle of two of the sacraments that offer forgiveness of sins, God's giving of forgiveness and His grace. Um, we have baptism, we have the Lord's Supper, and then smack dab right in the middle because Luther struggled with this, is this thing called confession and absolution. And and it's the use of the keys. <laughs> and and he struggled with it because he's like, it's not necessarily um, a sacrament, but man, it offers forgiveness of sins. Um, so I don't know exactly how to deal with this. And so he puts it smack dab in the middle of, 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 of the sacraments. And in there, though... What's beautiful is he does, he, he references what it is, is the opportunity of and the, the responsibility of a believer, which is to offer this and to, to have this, this use of the keys. But notice it doesn't hinge on yourself. What does it hinge on? I mean, it, 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 yeah, exactly. It, it hinges on their penitence. Yes. And whether they're sorry or whether they're not sorry. Did they acknowledge their sin? If they acknowledge their sin, forgive and and as you forgive it is just as christ standing before them forgiving them of their sins if they do not recognize their sin do they do not recognize their wrong you cannot offer forgiveness so so it debunks that i mean the whole the whole office of the keys conversation in the catechism debunks this whole idea that we're forgiving for ourselves we're not we're forgiving for the offender <laughs> that that's the that's the idea but now that wraps it around and says but what about i need to forgive myself what what what's that whole thing? And and also it it uh, wraps around to the idea of the individual who's going. You're as you are confronting your brother or sister in their sin. You're not exactly without um, the sin has not left you unscathed as well. That there is some aspects to sin that you're not handling this the correct way. Or you're just because we're given these wonderful keys doesn't mean that we 
in our heart of hearts are using them the way that God uses them, which is perfectly. And so this idea of when we actually are using these keys, it does have a benefit to ourselves because we are reminding ourselves, um, as Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer, forgive our sins as we forgive others. So just this idea of this, this whole aspect of us forgiving others is not meant to be in a vacuum, but in a partnership with God forgiving us and and forgiving the perpetrator, forgiving the victim. Uh, this is all a big, the total package. And as we are forgiven, then that also reduces anxiety. It also, the, the, the thoughts that we have in our head influence our bodies as well. So if we are not looking at our, our, ourselves in anxiety, or if we're not looking at ourselves, and I'm not saying that forgiveness is the cure for anxiety. I'm just saying some, some of the anxious thoughts we have are because of guilt that's been unresolved. But as we uh, forgive one another, as we reflect on how God forgives us, this also has effect, but that's, again, it's not the reason why we forgive. That's putting the cart way, way, way before the horse. Well, and, and I just want to, I want to, I kind of want to pursue a little bit of, of this idea of the victim. I think we, we, we have a victim society. We, we have a society where, where we, we nail the offender and, and maybe rightfully so. I mean, if, if someone does hurt someone else, they, they are wrong. And that, that is, that is a, a, a thing that is definitely a sin. But that hurt now comes to the victim. And, and one of the things that, that I, I guess I struggle with is that to be a victim means that you are, to be a victim means that you have had something done to you. And, and I get that. But that does not that does not force you then to react. See, the 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 what happens is is because we are sinners too, when someone hurts us, our sinful nature retaliates as the victim. And and so it's this idea of uh, we we say it, we phrase it in things like this. They made me angry. Right? They made me angry. They drove me crazy. Um, um, I hate them because they. As if they had control over that. Those people who hurt you, those people who are making you angry, those people who are, that they had control over those emotions in you. They didn't. They didn't make you angry. You made yourself angry. They didn't drive you crazy. You gave them the keys. And, 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 and. To your crazy car. To your crazy car. Um, you know, the bad feelings you have towards them were not caused by them. They were caused by your sinful nature who retaliated and did something uh, and is now thinking bad thoughts about the other person. So so the need to forgive still comes back down to the offender, because even as the victim and I'm not I'm not discrediting the victim. I'm not saying that that something bad didn't happen to them. But what happens inside that victim is a reflection of the sinful nature in them, too. And so forgiveness and, and hearing forgiveness from your Lord to you and you're like, but I didn't do anything wrong, but you did. Because if you had a bad thought about the person who hurt you, that's your sin. If you hate them because they hurt you, that's your sin. If you are angry because they hurt you, that's your sin. So, so you need forgiveness too because now you are offending because yeah. God does not like those things. So very rarely do we have righteous anger. And I mean, the Bible does tell us in your anger, do not sin. But I, I kind of wonder if uh, 
that was Paul who said that, right? I kind of wonder if Paul. that was kind of uh, tongue in cheek, where he's like, uh, "Good luck with that. Good luck with uh, being angry and not sinning." Well, yeah, and and good luck with good luck with being angry over the right things. So, like, if somebody if somebody sins, so let's bring it back to our society, where where um, everything is a social issue, right? Everything has got a social problem. Everything's got a social hangup. If if the government, a cop, I don't care, you name it, does something that is wrong to an individual, okay? They have that individual has the right to be angry at that treatment. Right? Because anger is an emotion. Right. They have the right to be angry. I as a as as a person who's looking on don't have the right to be angry for them. Now I can stand and say I understand this. This was wrong. And and I can say that this shouldn't happen. But I don't have the right to go and riot in the streets and say I'm angry because of the I don't have that right because it wasn't done to me. It it, it was not it, it wasn't something that that affected me. And the idea of uh, so so the best example of righteous anger that I can give. Okay, the best example of righteous anger that I can give. Jesus walking into the temple and seeing all of the money changers, right? And they're, and they're just exploiting um, um, what the temple was for, which was for sacrament and God's, God's gift to his people. What does Jesus do, right? Jesus doesn't say, this angers me that you're taking the holy temple of the righteous God. He says, no, my father's house. He doesn't say, he doesn't take it outside of him. He says, no, I have a right. This is my house. This is my house and this is not what it is for. And so he had the right to, to show his righteous anger that this, this, this was an affront to me and what, what my father and I are doing. Um, he has that right. It, it's, it's, I think there's, I think, I know it, it seems like maybe a subtle difference, but, but it does come down to that, that this idea of forgiving, it, it bleeds out into the society for the offender and we don't have the right to claim for ourselves what doesn't happen to us. Um, and, and, and then when we do, when we do forgive, we also have to forgive ourselves because I'm, I'm part and parcel to it. I might be the victim overall, but, but in my victimhood, I'm also sinning because I'm having bad thoughts to someone else. We, we certainly have the right to advocate on behalf of somebody else. Advocating is different though than, than feeling it. We, righteous anger is not advocating but we we think that in our advocating we can be angry, angry. Yeah. and we can't we can recognize something is wrong and we can stand up for that and say well let's not do this again but it didn't happen to me and and, and so okay so maybe i'm walking myself into a really bad a, a, a really bad space but there was a conversation long long time ago um in social settings long long time ago that that okay you know african american people were enslaved they were a long time ago in our history they 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 truly and honestly were and 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 you know african american people were all upset because we were enslaved you weren't enslaved you never have been now were people enslaved in the united states african americans especially yes they were and if someone was alive who had been do we owe them you know, uh, 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 more than a heartfelt apology? Absolutely. Now, if you weren't one of those people, you're an advocate. We don't want to go back to that. And I get that. That's okay. But you have no right to be angry 
because it didn't happen to you. And, and I think that's where we, we, we kind of, we've messed up our way of looking at things. You know, everyone, oh, you have to, for, you know, I don't have to forgive you for what you, I didn't do it. I, I wasn't part of that either, nor were you, nor was anybody a living. We, we weren't a part of that. Um, that doesn't mean that, that we can't say, let's not do that again. But there's no need for anger for that because now we're just walking ourselves into another sin that we need to pronounce forgiveness over. Um, that's not righteous. That, that's not a good thing. So, And I was actually, I wasn't even thinking of uh, uh, <clears throat> the BLM and Black Lives Matter. I was thinking more of uh, abortion and our defense of the unborn where we are advocating for somebody else. But uh, so oftentimes anger can add into that where or we are we we get so upset that somebody would advocate and say that it's okay for someone to get abortion that we well wait a minute it's not our wrong they're not doing anything against us right it's against it's against god and god is the one that should be upset and angry we are the ones that should be defending those so i see eighth commandment bleeding over that you'd want to advocate for those who are are um have been wrong do you want to stand up for those people for the victims of uh, any injustice but you also uh, want to also uh, re- reflect on and and also the fifth commandment you don't want any harm to happen to someone whether it would be an african-american or whether it would be the unborn but anger its role which anger which is an emotion uh, is very difficult to manage without having some sort of sin element in it so so the best example on that one that I think you can give for both advocate and and recognition of sin is is David and Nathan in the Old Testament, right? Um, Nathan gives the the beautiful example of of a poor farmer who had the lamb taken away from him by the the rich farmer, and and then the rich farmer took that lamb and fed it to his guests. And uh, David's reaction, right? David's reaction, how horrible, he's going to have to. And he was righteous anger, you're thinking. Yes, he's standing up for justice. And then Nathan's like, uh, you're the guy. That was you. <laughs> and and I think that's 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 one of those things where, where you know, we try to be the justice warrior. Um, but, but the justice warrior isn't out for forgiveness. It's out for vindictiveness. It's out, the justice warrior wants wants just at a, a justice at, at all cost, no matter who it might hurt. Um, and the reality that, that we are not um, justice warriors and can never be because we ourselves are also part and parcel into the sin because of what we're trying to, trying to do. So, so um, we are not forgiving for ourselves, although we do have to forgive ourselves. Um, we we yeah. forgive for the offender. Yeah. So to re- restore them according to the keys. Yep. Yeah. So uh, let's move on. Uh, four. four. Number four. We're going to get there. Uh, forgiveness is an emotional coping strategy. This one should be not too much of a conversation that we have to have. Because we just rehashed. We just. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. Just talked um, about. So it, it, go, it, it basically it's the it's trying to convey why. Why is it important for you to forgive? And they're giving reasons to forgive. And. There, and for us, we forgive because God first forgave us. We love because he first loved us. We we forgive because God gave us the keys uh, to forgive and open up heaven for the sinner who repents and to close heaven to the sinner who does not repent. 
Um, so it is not necessarily a, a strategy, emotional coping strategy. It is a strategy for life. It's how Christians should operate, but not just because it controls our emotions, but because that's what we are called to do. Yeah, I, I think there's really not much more you have to say to that. I think we all like to view things as emotional strategies in this world and say, how are you going to be able to cope with living? And and forgiveness is not a way to cope with living. It's just a part of life. Um I, I think that's there's a difference, um, you know, an emotional, you know, I will close my eyes and I will count to 10. That's how I cope with anger or I have anxiety before I preach. So I, I close my eyes and I say, OK, what am I hearing? Everything's OK. What do I what do I touch? Everything's OK. What do I see? Everything's OK. Um, and it helps me calm myself. Those are strategies to help help calm you down. Um, forgiveness is not a strategy to help calm you down. Forgiveness is is a proclamation into the world. To change the world, that's worldview. Yeah, it's a worldview, uh, which then Strategy brings us. Life, yeah. yeah, which brings us to the fifth one. I mean, like I said, we can rock and roll through some of these, um, and and this one you actually have uh, there. There is a shred of truth to it, um, and that is we choose to forgive. We choose to forgive. So, um, the the shred of truth is that it is a that forgiveness is a process of the will. Right, you had said that before, um, that we make the conscious choice to forgive um so so um there is a little bit of truth to say that we're going to choose to forgive but there is also i think the other side that sometimes we're called to forgive whether we want to or not (laughs) (laughs) um and and let's go back to that example of your kids right um we tell them now you say i forgive you and it produces a heart of forgiveness, right? Um, so, so sometimes it's like I don't want to forgive them, but you're going to say I forgive you because it's going to now be accountability. You know, you did forgive me, and 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 that's going to work a heart of forgiveness. The only the other aspect I like about the positive aspect about this is that the of the victim can't force you to forgive. I the perpetrator can't force you to forgive. Now you must forgive me. I, I can see a lot of. Uh, relationships where somebody and this goes to one of the myths that we haven't gotten to yet but the 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 perpetrator forces the other individual to forgive them and that perpetrator isn't actually sorry for their sin they're just trying to manipulate the situation and so they're using the keys to their own advantage rather than what they were intended for is the reconciliation between two people they're using it as a means of control so i i like that aspect but i don't think that's what they were saying but i do I just want to bring that up. Just the idea no. of the forgiveness is in the in the act of the person who doing the forgiving, not someone else forcing them to. Although, the, as parents, we are teaching our children this, so they we are in a sense forcing them to say, "I forgive you," forcing them to create it. But we're teaching them this is what your will does. This is uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit, by the work of God in your heart, you are choosing to do something that you emotionally don't want to do. Well, and I think it goes a little bit deeper than that because because I think that it also plays to the victim when when they when when the victim says I can't shake these feelings I can't I can't get rid of these bad thoughts I can't get rid of this anger uh, it comes back down to have you have you tried and they'll say well yes I have did you forgive well why would I ever do that. And there's, I think it comes back down to there's a difference between pronouncing forgiveness to the person who is unrepentant. You can't do that. 
but that doesn't mean that you cannot forgive and give it to the Lord and, and say, Lord, um, I can't pronounce this to them because they don't recognize their sin, but I can't hold on to this anger. I, I cannot hold on to these to the, my own sins against them because of how I feel um, every time I think about them and, and the hurt that they caused. Take this from me, right? This is part of that forgiving yourself, but that that's part of as a Christian, God gives you the opportunity to come to him and lay that before him and, and he will take it away. Yeah, and Jesus mentions that in Matthew 18 when he talks about for, uh, confronting a brother who is forgiven. You know, when if they repent, forgive him. If they don't, then take it to the next level. Then you know, if they don't uh, repent, then take it to the next level. Take it to the church eventually, and then you know, treat them like a sinner. But it doesn't. He doesn't say, well, then you have to you know take back the forgiveness that you had originally forgiven. It it predisposes that you're ready to forgive that individual before you even talk to that individual. And, and so to be able to give that up to God and say, that's, you know, heaven is closed. It's, it's God's affair. Um, and now I'm going to, I need to move on. Yeah. And if they ever come and say, you know, I, I hurt you so long ago, you can say, yeah, I, I, I forgive you. And you can pronounce that to them, but you would be able to pronounce that to them because you'd already given it to the Lord and he has taken it from you um, and, and changed your heart. I, again, this though is, is all framed and, 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 and maybe just step back. This is all framed in the idea that, that these things happen not because we are better in and of ourselves, but because we have been made different through the blood of Christ, through the, through the word and sacraments, so the means of grace. God has changed us from what we were, which is not predisposed people um, to 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 forgive, to people who who don't really know how this is supposed to work, to now people who want to do these things. Because God has created in us a new being to do these things, and and in that idea of being created into a new thing, a new creation. Um, we now can engage with this. And so this isn't a law do. This is a, I get to bring these before God and he will take them away because he has promised to do so. Um, and as a Christian, you have that ability. As, as an unbeliever, you don't. Um, so I would expect an unbeliever to carry a lot of baggage because where are they going to put it down, right? Um, that That's the thing. Um, so an unbeliever will probably struggle with with forgiveness inside their heart a lot because who's who's going to take it from them? Where are they going to put it down? So so maybe they need the coping mechanisms for all these different things. Um, but but for the believer, we we have one who takes it from us and 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 allows us to live in in a better and different way. All right, so that brings us to our final two. And our final two are are the ones that you kind of uh, threw into the mix, which are very very appropriate, and I think they need to be talked about. And the first one um, deals with a game. Called sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually we're we're learning a, a variant of the game. Sorry, I don't know if you know that the game is basically your is you move your pieces around a board and if you land on somebody else, you say sorry. And as you send them back to the beginning, uh, yeah, send them back to the home. Um, we've got a variant at home called uh, Peg, Pegs and Jokers. We're using cards rather than dice, and it's a lot more fun, more strategy involved than just the random nature of the dice, but. Anyway, uh, just the idea of, and this is the this actually came to my mind because of the Pope. Uh, the Pope is visiting Canada uh, as we speak, and he is doing a, a tour of Canada because of all of the injustices done to the indigenous uh, people of Canada by the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, you know, he's it's, it's meant to be an apology for all the abuses that the Roman Catholic Church did in Canada, but it is it's it's um. It's falling short, 
and the, a lot of the indigenous people are having difficulty because he's not actually saying the church is sorry for doing it. He is just saying you know, Christians have done evil things. So the the wording of his apology is a suspect, uh, as well as other things such as you know he's not denouncing a uh, paper bull that the 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 Roman Catholic Church put in place in the in the 1500s, which is which is today it's called the doctrine of discovery where the the papacy said before columbus went and discovered america in 1492 the papacy gave the church permission to go and uh take over lands that already had people in them could because the intention was well we're going to make them christian and so the pope said you can go ahead and do this act of violence uh, against another people because you are intending to bring them to christianity so um the papacy now the is not in anywhere is doesn't seem to be in anywhere the the ballpark of reneging on that papal bull and and for me i i personally it it doesn't affect me as a christian or you can't lay those accusations against me because this is the uh the the if you read that the 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 content of these doctrine of discovery that the papal bulls that were given out in the 15th century their um appeal for authority does not come from the scriptures it comes from a, a seat a chair in Rome right. uh, of, uh, that an individual is sitting there saying, I am standing in the place of, in, in Latin, anti-Christ, and I am, I am making this proclamation saying this is okay. So it doesn't affect me. You can't say to me, well, Christianity is responsible for the oppression of the indigenous people in Canada or North America. I would say that an institution is responsible for those things not the Christian church as God designed it. Well, but I think that's one of those, and just to add add a little bit to this, um, you, you know, they in that case when they came in there and the Catholics wanted to do this, part of that is is they, they were using the means of grace as if they were a magic tool instead of um, the means by which God continues to, to offer his free and full forgiveness. I mean, there were stories of when the Catholic Church uh, through the Spaniards came in um, and they would line up the Mayans over the pits and they would they would baptize them and then cut off their heads um, and say, well, at least we Christianized them before. Um, I mean, these, the, 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 using the gospel as a magic bullet um, to then justify your genocide is is something that sinful man does all the time. But but let's. So just, I use this example to yeah. say when people just say they're sorry, just just because they say sorry doesn't necessarily mean that they are penitent. Um, I've had that happen with an, an individual who is emotionally abusive who would just say, "I'm sorry you feel that way," and I and I to my mistake, I took that as a real apology. It wasn't a real apology at all. They were just. Um, they were um, they were basically putting the blame on me. It's your fault uh, that you're feeling this way. I haven't done anything wrong. So just for an individual to say sorry isn't the same as having a penitent heart. So I am going to buck the the common trend of language this the this morning, <laughs> and I'm just going to say I hate the word apologize, um, because uh, um, apologize means to give a defense, um, in its most basic meaning, and we have. We have uh, repurposed the word to mean, well, I'm, it, it's, it's, it's showing my, my uh, acquiescence to my wrong. No, it's not. Um, what shows your acquiescence to your wrong, what shows that, that, that you are, are truly um, contrite for what you did is to take ownership and said, I am wrong. I hurt you. You know, um, for that, I, 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 I feel bad. 
Um, but to say, I apologize, or, or to say to our kids, well, you need to apologize. Say, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry is the lamest excuse of the defense of why you did what you did. I mean, that, that's like, that's, that is like the, the worst excuse you could give. So when you're saying apologize, you're saying, tell me why you did what you did. What is your excuse? I'm sorry. That's not even an excuse. That's, that's nothing. Okay, why did you do what you did? Because this happened and my, result, my reaction was this, and it was a poor reaction. I forgive you. That's what you're looking for, <laughs> right? You're looking for ownership of what we have done. Right. And, and it's so our sinful nature is crafty in that it takes this word and the phrase and the, the action, action of apology and finds a way to weasel its way out of it. I mean, it, it happens all the time. Uh, why do you think our court systems take so long to 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 work and to operate because it's we are very creative at at crafting ways to circumvent accountability and and to circumvent circumvent our own guilt right and and, and really forgiveness hinges on accountability um uh, do you understand your sinful nature in this um if so yes you're forgiven um if not then the law must hit like a hammer and um, you, you, you'll have to see that. You bring up an interesting point because we teach our children to say, I'm sorry, but then when they get older, we aren't qualifying that with them to say, you know what, when you say you're sorry now that you're a teenager, uh, l- let's put some more words onto that. Yeah, because why? Other, why? Why? Or what, what actually happened here that you are feeling bad about and put words to that, not just that you feel bad, you know, I, I feel bad, and, and but you hurt somebody else and yeah. you, you have to say this action of mine hurt you and I'm and, or I intended to hurt you even, and I'm sorry. So yeah. it's, it's, and, and the, it's the honesty of it. That is, don't that you love the confession there. in this? Um, and, 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 and the confession before worship, um, from, from CW 93, it's changed a little bit in the new one, but not too much. Um, you know, I have sinned against you in thought word and action. It doesn't say I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just I have sinned against you. I, I I'm I'm taking ownership, Lord. I have sinned against you in thought, word, and action, um, but I am truly repentant of them. I think if you are watching the apologies that um, that happens on Hollywood, whenever a Hollywood star gives an apology, there, there's a huge component of I did not mean to offend. But there is a, it's lacking in, I actually did this. I right. did this. It's, it's, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I've always, you know, usually it always, I'm always been an advocate for whatever it is and I didn't mean to, da, 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 da. But to me, and maybe, maybe we are splitting hairs. Maybe we are just, um, we are, we're looking for, maybe it is a part of our own, our own, uh, our own heads and thoughts that we are oftentimes looking for a way out uh, from admitting that we are guilty, that we uh, have done something wrong and, and are in the wrong. And it's difficult for us to acknowledge that to another person, uh, specifically if it's a member of our own family or if it's our own spouse. Um, And so it is difficult for us to do it, but it's so, so crucial to actually own up to the things that you've done and so that the and the the other component, which is so crucial, is for the other individual to forgive 
and to say those words, I forgive you. Well, and but not only that, but then also to offer help to 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 make sure that this doesn't happen again. I, I think by taking ownership, you are the ownership is also a cry for for accountability. I know I struggle with this. I know I struggled with this. Um, not only am I seeking your forgiveness, but I'm also seeking your your guidance to keep me from it again. Um, I've taken ownership in my weakness. Um, and, and in my weakness, I see God's strength, right? I see what he corrects and, and how he works through his Savior. And that brings us to, I think, the last uh, well, one. Actually, I, I just have an, okay. another another statement. for it. it is difficult for the Christian who is using Matthew 18 to to navigate this and have a, a true apology and, and to forgive. And I think we have said this more than once, is that the ability to forgive isn't hinged on the... Um, the performance of the of the apology. So the ability to forgive is hinges on Christ forgiving us, and for us to let that go, whether that whether that individual is sorry, and in, in the in our emotions we would say, I don't think they feel that way, or in the ver- verbiage of their apology, it might seem like the verbiage of their apology doesn't seem like they're actually taking full accountability for their actions. And I, this is a reminder that you know those things have to be there, but but not to be have that be conditional on your forgiving them. I, I'm not going to forgive you until you say uh, the, the words that I'm looking for you to say. I'm, I'm, I bring it up just because some oftentimes we are too quick to forgive, but I don't want to go to the other ditch and say that we'll never forgive until the, the words have been spoken appropriately. I, I, I agree with you. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that we're that we can we can fall into the ditch on both sides, but I think it needs we need to step back and we need to acknowledge though uh, ultimately forgiveness cannot be given. I'm going to correct myself already. Forgiveness cannot be verbally offered to someone else unless there is a a, a recognition of sin, and and that's in the acknowledgement and the ownership. I have done this, um, and and that is a Matthew 18. Mm-hmm. That 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 I mean that is completely Matthew eighteen. Um, what that, I did was a sin. What I did was a sin, and I might not in fully grasp in every way, but I know it hurt you, and therefore it was a sin. I, I, I like that. That's and, a very good clarification. Thank and you. and so I think we do need to make that clarification that because that, that I mean that's the same thing that 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 really is the same thing that we we confront with our Lord. Um, you know, I I don't know how many ways. I have done this, but I did this. And so I need your forgiveness. I have sinned. Yeah. And I am a sinner. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I know I remember one of my members who really liked that in the common service of just, not just saying that I've sinned against you and thought word indeed, but just saying I'm guilty. Yeah. And which is, which is incidentally also in the small catechism, which is ref- a reflection, an echo chamber of uh, Psalm 51 verse 5. Surely I was guilty. Right um, from the time that I was, born. and, and so I, I, I think that is needed to be said that that it's not just I'm sorry, it's not just the words, but it is the recognition of the ownership. I did this, um, and I don't know all the ways I did it, and and we can explore those later if we need to. But that's not the point. The point is I did this, and 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 I, I seek your forgiveness. So our last one, the biggest um, one, I think, the biggest one, the, the elephant in the room that you are you're, you've been listening up to this point. And they said they haven't talked about this yet. Well, now we are. But now we are. <laughs> and here it is. Here it is. The the dropping the bomb, the mic drop, forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. So yes. if you forgive me, you're supposed to forget. Or 
Yeah, I in order for me to truly forgive someone else, I have to forget. Like if I don't forget what they've done to me, then I really truly haven't forgiven them, and that forgiveness is is uh, has been invalidated because I still harbor something toward that individual. Now, and and I can be, I can give you a perfect example of this that this proves true. I mean, I forgave my my brother Dave here for not coming prepared and and really tipping this whole entire still podcast has not on forgetting. end. <laughs> Has not forgotten. <laughs> but no, I think the idea. So, so we get this idea from forgive and forget, um, and the idea comes from the Psalms, where where uh, many times the Lord says, "I have taken your sins, and and they've they're apart from me for as far as the east is from the west. Uh, I have I have removed them from my sight." And we're like, "See, the Lord has forgotten all of our sins," and and so. We use that language and then we apply it and we say, see, we got to forgive like the Lord forgave. And and I would just I would just sort of step back and say removal or hiding sin does not mean forgetting sin. The Lord placed all of our sins on Christ. And so what does Christ do? He reminds his father they're not theirs they're removed from us, but he sees them on his son and he points to the cross and he says, I died for them. They're, 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 they're no longer theirs to pay. I paid them. And, and I think we got to be very, very careful that the Lord does not forget our sin. He forgets you did it. And he places it on Jesus. The account has been settled because of Christ. It is finished. It's paid for. But but God I think doesn't hold that against us anymore. Well, yeah. He doesn't hold it against us. But I think the, the 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 full idea: God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That means God did not forget sin. He didn't forget that you are a sinner. He didn't forget and say, "Oh, you're forgiven." Though, oh, you're this perfect righteous person. No, he remembers sin. He just remembers it's on his son, <laughs> and his son died for it. And and now he looks at you with his son's righteousness because it's been given to you. Um. And I think that's a totally different idea and a totally different approach than to say forgive and forget um, as if we just, you know, where did they go? We forgot them. Where did they go? You know, they, we no, they, they're there. They're just not on you. And, and I think that's a very important thing. They're there, but they're not on you. And for us as individuals, that is a very, it's very difficult to forget some of the things that people have done. And so the reminder to us that forgetting and forgetting and forgetting are not the forgiving and forgetting are not the same thing. They're not one and the same. They're not. If and this was a thought I was thinking on the way down here. Apart from what we just said about uh, God reconciles the world, not counts our sins against them because they're put on Christ. He, he doesn't think of our sins because they're they're on Christ and they're they've been put the the vengeance for. The, the response for the things that we have done has been directed at Christ. For us as individuals, uh, as we forgive our, our brother and sister in Christ, as we forgive our neighbor, eventually, I, I feel, sometimes that does help us forget, but it's not the same. I don't, I don't view them as one and the same. So, like, if I still, I still remember the things that my children do, but I... I but by forgiving them, constantly forgiving them, then those those the matter has been settled. It, it, you know, if I bring it up in my mind, I say, "Well, that's been settled. They've been, they've repented. 
and I forgave them. That's been settled, and that's put on Christ. That's no longer here. Uh, but it does help me as I'm interacting with them. I don't have that hurt of this this thing was this unresolved. Well, maybe not hurt is the right word, but the unresolved issue that as as put into play in our relationship it isn't the first thing that comes to mind. Well, and like I like. It, it, it comes back down to to the Psalms, you know. Remember our sins no more. Uh, remember my sin no more. Um, well, kind of a misnomer in the sense that no, remember that it's paid for by someone else. Remember that it's been taken care of, um, and that I know. Remember that it doesn't apply to me and it's attached to me. And 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 here's the thing: God can do that really easily because. He's God, <laughs> and, and he has Christ, and he has Christ. Um, now, now our problem is, is that we still have he a sinful, okay, we it. still have a sinful nature, and our sinful nature wants to always kick, scream, and 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 come back and say, "You can't forget this because this hurt you," and and we can we we view that as a defense mechanism, and in some ways it is because you can you can forgive somebody and say, "But you, I'm not going to forget that you did this." Because if I go back into this relationship with you, this possibility is that it's going to come back. And so I'm going to remember to, to guard myself. And, and you would say, especially in an abusive relationship, right? You would say, you can't walk back into that. You know what the possibility is. You forgave them. You're not going to harbor bad thoughts. You're not going to say, I hate them because of, but you're not going to walk back into that situation. You're going to remember the possibility is there of this. And, and, and you, that, that protects you. Um, and and I think there is a part of that that needs to be in a sinful world in which we live. That 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 we cannot just say, okay, Christ has taken all of this; it's no longer applied to you. That is true when dealing with our Lord. Christ has taken it; it no longer applies to you in 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 the face of our God. But in the face of everyone else, I'm not going to hold you accountable and say that I'm going to have all these bad feelings. You're forgiven, but I remember that you are capable of it. And because you're capable of it, I can't be associated with it because I have to protect myself. Um, and I think there's that, right? Yeah. You know, you're, 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 go back to the example of our kids, you know. Um, I don't know if it, all kids go through these times of lying. They go through times of taking things that maybe weren't theirs. Whatever the case may be. Or they go through this time of they hurt, they hit. I'm not going to forget you. they have that capability, that that's the thing. I, I forgive them of it. I'm not holding. I'm not going to remind them of it and be like, "You remember the day you hurt me?" I'm still thinking about it. No, but I'm going to remember that. You know what? When push comes to shove, they have that capability because they're a sinner too. That's just the reality. That 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 just is. I've seen it before. They could do it. Yeah. And the other time I've used, I've seen forgive and forget is when, um, when people aren't even using the keys they're not even you're not even saying they're sorry they're just like you should just forgive and forget that and it's like you're you're taking a shortcut where there should not be a shortcut there has been a hurt there's a a golf there's a valley between you and the other individual and there's no way around it other than through christ which is through confession and absolution by taking that sin putting it on christ to repair that uh, relationship and repair that um uh that what has has gone down yeah, I think I think as we you know we kind of wrap up our our time together here, I think it comes back that 
really when we talk about forgiveness, I mean, science is going to tell you there's all these benefits. Society is going to say forgiveness is really for you. And, and they're going to try to hype up what the benefits are to you and how this is just refreshing for you. Um, but really go back to the catechism, look at the keys, look at, at confession and absolution and how it's perfectly placed between God's action um, in your life through the sacraments. Um, and then realize that that forgiveness is a reflection of a, of a divine father who, through his son, has taken everything away from you and, and has made you clean and, and taken everything onto himself and, and paid for that for you. And then he says, go and do this for your neighbor. And, and is it easy? No. Does it have benefits for you? Yes. Does it have benefits for your neighbor? Definitely. Definitely. And so uh, go in Christ, and if you didn't listen all the way to the end, you won't hear this, but you're forgiven.